I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. This is Esprit Devora, host of the We Are LA Tech podcast. Thank you so much for your patience. We have the next episode. Yay! I'm so, so, so thrilled that you've been a part of this journey with me. My heart goes to startups and podcasting and tech and all things nerdy, and I can't wait to share this epic episode with you. To kick off the episode, first we're going to hear about our supporter for this podcast, In Motion Hosting. Thank you so much for your constant, constant love to the We Are LA Tech community. Tech Zulu was kind enough to provide the audio for an awesome panel we did at the beginning of the year called the Startup Investors Forecast. So this was bringing together absolutely top-notch investors to talk about what to expect in LA and startup life here. When you're driving in your car and you just don't want to think about like what the URL was or who that person was to look up that you heard talking us talking about in the episode, thanks to uno.im providing tech subscriptions to the podcast, simply text LA to 310-933-6030. That's 310-933-6030. And you can opt out at any time, so no worries if at some point you're like, eh, texting not isn't for me. I'd rather just check on the podcast myself. You could completely opt out. Super simple. Text LA to 310-933-6030. And here we go. Enjoy the episode. Jason over at InMotion Hosting has just really gone out of his way to make sure that We Are LA Tech is supported by InMotion. And not only has he done that for me, but he's also done that with my fellow entrepreneur, Danny. So I have Danny um, with me on the podcast. She is this amazing innovator in women in tech, and she wants to highlight women in tech and do all that she can. So- <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Esprit. Um, so I'm Danny. I'm based here in Venice in the LA Tech ecosystem, very active here. I'm on the Vitamin team. We basically do growth and lead gen for startups in the area using their social channels. So I love engaging with startups in LA and also working on my own initiative supporting women in tech. Uh, Super stoked to just touch base on in motion and how awesome they are and how active they've been in the, the LA ecosystem. Only few companies out there truly care about community, care about their customers. They go like just over and beyond. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit because we had the dinner party in January, which was this really cool dinner party where these LA startup entrepreneurs from founders to CTOs to engineers came and we all hung out actually in my house at like a hula dancer and a Hawaiian barbecue. It was pretty amazing. And I couldn't have made that happen without in motion. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, I have like, that's probably the most food I've had at a like, LA tech event, literally. <laughs> and I mean, just, I think that the, the really amazing thing about Emotion and, and Jason specifically, who's, who's obviously very involved on the ground level here in LA is that they truly, truly care about supporting the community. And, um, you know, the second I was telling Jason at your party about kind of my own initiative supporting women in tech, he went out of his way to accommodate that and really support some of the female founders here in, in LA who are really killing it. And um, it's it's rare to find companies who are so involved in giving back to the community from a genuine place. Jason said he would personally connect with you if you're interested and um, they're giving away like a year free of web hosting. It's crazy. So 
just shoot an email to jason at inmotionhosting.com and in the subject line put we are la tech podcast and then uh yeah he'll get back to you it's jason j-a-s-o-n at inmotionhosting.com Janie, for all the amazing women entrepreneurs that want to know that other women in tech mm-hmm. exist in la how can people get in touch with you please email me at danny so d-a-n-i at vitamin.com v-y-t-m-n.com thanks in motion hosting for continuing to be awesome yay in motion (laughs) my name is alan debevoise i'm the founder of a company called machinima which is a large video gaming uh, brand on youtube we reach about 300 million people per month uh, generate about three billion views um during the time while I was CEO, which I'm, I'm no longer CEO, I'm the chairman, uh, founder, um, I invested in a lot of companies in the space that you may have heard of, Tastemade and Style Hall, Me Too, Drama Fever, Zephyr, a bunch of the companies that are in the YouTube model. And uh, so recently uh, uh, I have a new CEO uh, at Machinima and I've started a seed fund. Uh, and so we're investing in uh, different categories with video primarily, uh, mobile messaging meets media, and uh, and, uh, and virtual reality. And I, one thing I gotta say is that I don't think there's been a better time ever for the Los Angeles community. You know, you see companies like Snapchat and Oculus and obviously Maker and all the companies that are here in, in, in LA on all three of those fronts and obviously what Brian Lee's doing with e-commerce. So I think there's a incredibly vibrant uh, opportunity for all of you that are starting new companies. Hi, uh, my name is Everardo Gomez. You can call me E, make it easier. <laughs> I work for Silicon Valley Bank, and we're a bank that has banked technology companies for the last 30 years. Uh, we bank Machinima. Uh, we're we bank here. everybody. Yeah. So, uh, we're here for the startups, and I agree with Alan. This not, there probably hasn't been a better time to be an entrepreneur than now. Uh, there's a lot of liquidity in the system. Capital markets are hot. We're lending money easily. It's a great time. And I don't think the entrepreneur has ever had as much say in dilution and things like that as now. Hi, I'm Elise Colleen. I'm on the investment team at March Capital Partners and Clearstone Venture Partners. March shares um, three investment team members with Clearstone, and March is a first-time fund focusing broadly on technology innovation, both enterprise and consumer, with um, a very strong affinity for LA startup teams. My name is Oded Noy. I'm a, I was the co-founder of TrueCar, and now I'm part of Amplify. But even more importantly, especially for a community like that, especially at the beginning of the year, I'm sitting here because of all the things I did wrong, mostly. So arriving anywhere worthwhile requires getting lost. So when you think about building a business and you think about people on the panel here, it's not just about doing right. It's having the willingness to do things wrong, too. I'm Vishal Lagani. I'm at a venture capital firm here in town, as well as in New York, called Graycroft Partners. Um, you know, we manage about $600 million across four funds, and we're currently investing out of an early-stage fund focused on Series A investments and a growth-stage fund, um, sort of later, you know, growth-stage companies. And, uh, yeah, just excited to be here, and, and we're all about supporting the LA community. Awesome. And as you guys know, I'm your moderator. My name is Esprit Devora. I run We Are LA Tech. 
which is a virtual tourist office for LA startups. We have a podcast focused on LA startups, number two in the country, a calendar of all the LA startups events, which you guys probably know, and a job board focused on LA tech. And I'm just really honored to be with you guys tonight to talk about what to expect for startups in 2015. So let's get into it. So what, what do you guys see coming up? Like people are moving here from other states, moving to Los Angeles, thinking that they should start their startup here. People are now moving from San Francisco to LA to do their startup. Let's get into it. Like what do you guys see uh, that's coming? Well, I mean, I think uh, my, I'm very focused on the consumer uh, kind of video VR uh, category. But clearly, you know, Los Angeles has an incredible creative community, has an incredible infrastructure community, post-production companies, et cetera, schools that teach video and, and the like. The fact that Oculus is down here as well. And uh, so I think that there's a real opportunity in, in that space. And I think we're seeing already, just last quarter, we saw Awesomeness TV do a new uh, uh, round with, with Hearst. Uh, we saw Style Hall be sold, Drama Fever sold. Last, and just last year, you know, Maker ha happened. Uh, Vice got a huge uh, round, BuzzFeed. Uh, raised a huge amount of money. So there's a lot of happening in this disruption, um, you know, it, it, with, with the video category. And, of course, VR with, with, with Oculus and Magic Leap. Uh, so we're starting to see a lot of opportunities there. So I think ultimately, you know, there'll be, there'll be tools companies, there'll be uh, platform companies that are out there, but ultimately there'll be the programming brands. This is where it's really L.A.'s time, where the companies like Vice and Netflix, even though they're not here, but Hulu... These kind of companies where they're actually branded, uh, understand programming, understand content, and the relationship between content and technology. Uh, and I think this is why it's kind of a, a great moment for, for LA. Let, let's make it a little more personal. So one of the things that people one of the things that people say about Los Angeles is, well, there's a lot of space between people and it's hard to create community and so on. What's interesting about what's happening now in LA is that there are enough companies that have actually succeeded here, which means that there's a first-generation entrepreneurs that not only have the gray hair or no hair to prove it, but also uh, the fact that they've gone through the steps that requires to succeed with a company. And one of the interesting things about this particular community, and it is a community, that unlike other cities, there's no sharp elbow mentality surrounding the startups that you're doing. And this is not, for many of you, it's not about coming up with this magical genius idea that becomes Apples at some point. It's actually starting somewhere that you know where you're starting, collaborating with other people around you that are like-minded, and one thing leads to another, and before you know it, you're participating in some startup that's doing something magical. So again, it's the willingness to participate, and we have a unique community here, and I think we're the second or third largest market now in terms of that activity. So activity happens all around you. Just jump in and do it. I would agree with what was said before, and also I'd emphasize the fact that the resources exist in L.A. to build big companies, and so some of those have been referenced uh, by the pre previous speakers. So indeed, LA has seen enough large exits where entrepreneurs have stayed and reinvested in the community. And what I mean by that is both reinvesting time and advisement and mentorship to younger teams, companies, and leaders, but then also reinvested the earnings of their success or the wealth that they've created back into startups here. And so that certainly has built um, a more robust infrastructure and community and network 
for folks to depend upon. And we also have incredible engineering talent here. And so the ability to recruit teams um, and retain folks is, is a strength of LA at this point rather than being the opposite. So we graduate the largest number of engineers, I think, in the country in terms of the city and are able to offer them opportunities um, to innovate in a way that I think that, you know, we, we haven't for the, you know, it, um, maybe several decades ago we had, but LA has become more vibrant and we're able to re retain the talent as a result. Go ahead. Yeah, and I mean, it also just if you think about the industry mix in LA, so the biggest industry in LA is manufacturing, believe it or not. We have the busiest port in the country. Obviously, entertainment's huge here. Um, you know, I mean, defense and aerospace has is is always had a legacy in, in, uh, in LA, and then real estate, of course, is also just a really important industry. And so, as you see these industries that in the past haven't had as much attention start to get disrupted by tech, and you see that intersection with tech uh, across all those industries, I mean, I think that makes LA an extremely exciting place to be. And it's also just a market that really lends itself to building consumer businesses. I mean, I, I personally think that if you want to build a consumer business, this is the market to do it in. There's so much creative talent. It's such a diverse city. I mean, you just see that driving around. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of facets of this market that are just extremely exciting. Wait, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, we've grown a lot here because we want to support the entrepreneurs. And I think when Snapchat decided to stay and not sell, I, allegedly, right? Uh, I think that was huge for LA uh, because there's there's a whole, you know, they could have been in Stanford, they could have been anywhere they wanted, and they decided to keep that company here. Uh, I think that signaled to the rest of the community that, that there's a lot going on in LA. Definitely. And something Elise said about engineers, this is a big issue, that there aren't enough engineers for the demand. What can we do to fix this? And we do have excellent universities to learn from. So what's going, where's the disconnect? What's happening? Well, I mean, I think part of the problem for a long time is that we did graduate all those engineers, but they all went up north. And uh, I mean, this is obviously an exaggeration, but for the most part, that's probably some truth to it. Now that they can see companies that are really big and scalable down here, uh, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an opportunity. In fact, Snapchat was the reverse, right? They, they actually came down here. So I think that's, a, that's an interesting um, model. And the more successful companies will be here, obviously, there'll be a bigger opportunity to keep engineers. I think also engaging with folks um, while they're in school is important on the engineering side. So meaning, so creating an, an environment for them in school where it's not just academic, right? So and we're seeing that happen now with Viterbi Startup Garage or there's outreach programs happening in Pasadena for Caltech um, as there were before. And that's kind of where Clearstone came from, actually, um, from Idealab when Idealab was very well connected with Caltech. And so the, the infrastructure starts to exist where engineers see LA as a viable option for, for innovation rather than just continuation of in academia. What do you guys think? How can we solve this engineer demand so I have a different perspective uh, with all respect probably one question so um, I've, I was fortunate enough to co-found the CTO forum of Los Angeles about 12 or 13 years ago um, there's actually probably more engineers active in Southern California than there are in the Bay Area uh, we don't have an engineering problem it's a it's the in the Bay Area, there's a different dynamic where everybody goes to a sh coffee shop and you can find them and you can route them and move them from one place to another, but they have a different problem as a result of that. There is not a real lack of engineering talent here. It shouldn't stop anybody from starting a technology company here. 
So, so why do you think that there's that perception then that there is a lack of talent? I think that for a long time, because of the lack of the infrastructure that we talked about earlier, there was kind of inferiority complex of in here. And it is true that it caused a situation where a lot of the university kids that graduated didn't consider staying here as part of the ecosystem. Uh, but the amount of engineers here is remarkable. I mean, at Chukar, we have, I don't know, a triple digit number of engineers right. in Santa Monica. And finding great engineers has never been our challenge. And the same is true for Cordner Store on Demand. That's not, we, we don't have an engineering problem. What are you guys investing in right now? Like, what's sexy? Well, VR, VR is uh, sexy. I think mobile, we're seeing a lot of innovation around, I'd say, the next generation of Snapchat or whatever. It's sort of mobile meets music, mobile meets, I mean, messaging meets music, meets video. Uh, so there's a lot of work going on there. Clearly a lot uh, in, in the video space. Another area which I think we're seeing in L.A., there are companies like Industrial Toys that are innovating with kind of core gaming but high-quality, high high-resolution uh, mobile gaming, and that's that's actually a lot of that is happening uh, in this community as well. So I think I think one of the issues, though, I, it, it's funny because the a guy uh, who ran the uh, investment group, Google, invested in our company at one point. He, his remark was that Northern California companies are formed by engineers whose basic uh, perspective is engineering conceptually, like we're going to make we're going to make your life more efficient, and that the LA model is more like. We're, we're, our, our, what we try to do here, a lot of companies down here, is really about taking you somewhere else. It's an entertainment experience. So you create, even though Disney is a very great engineering company, the head of Disney is not an engineer. Uh, and whereas the head of, you know, a lot of companies in Northern California. So it's a kind of a mindset also of functional, uh, or, or, and we're really good at wasting your time, meaning in a positive way, right? I mean, in, a, in, a, in an artistic way or an experiential way. Uh, and so I think once broadband hit the internet, all of a sudden, LA woke up because they could see that hey, now emotion and design and, and, and character and all these things matter. And I think actually Kara Swisher did a whole article about it with engineers with taste, so to speak. Why? Because they were asking her, why is this happening now in LA? It never happened before. Well, because the way things look and feel and make you feel are starting to matter, right? And uh, where it didn't matter in the narrowband web. So I think. Um, clearly, there's still amazing companies being innovative up north. Uber is a great example of it. But this, there's this issue of is beyond just the functional, it is a cool product, makes my life a little bit easier. Uh, I think that's a place where L.A. and maybe New York will start to stand out uh, from, from that perspective. But it, what's sexy? Yeah, I mean, I think, so I'll talk about two things. Uh, one, if you take the Fortune 500 and you basically you know, lay out all the companies and, and try and bucket them in different sectors. Um, I mean, you just realize that there are so many businesses that have been around for hundreds of, you know, 100 years, 50 years, 60 years that haven't quite kept up with the pace of technological innovation. So, um, you know, there's there's a bunch of interesting startups coming up in some of those sectors. So, I, you know, mentioned real estate earlier. I mean, there's a couple very interesting marketplaces for real estate lending um, and equity here in L.A., Asset Avenue, Realty Mogul, um, you know, and there's a couple up north as well, like realty shares. And so allowing actually now accredited investors as well as institutions to invest directly into commercial real estate or residential real estate. Um, there's a startup here called Honk that is basically creating the next generation of, of AAA, um, like basically on-demand mobile roadside assistance. So, I mean, why would I want to be a AAA member if I could pull up my phone and, and say, 
hey, I need help. I'm in, stuck in a ditch. Um, I'm, on a, I'm in a pothole on Sunset because the city hasn't fixed it. Um, and so, you know, I think that's that's one side of it. And then and then the other side is really people are, you know, millenni- the millennials, millennials are being reached uh, on mobile, on, you know, all these different application layers that sit on top of mobile, and that's where the eyeballs are, and that's where people are spending their time. And so I think there's really an opportunity to build next-generation consumer brands. So there's a company down in Newport Beach called Acorns that's a mobile-first brokerage that invests your loose change and puts it into ETS, and, and they're growing like wildfire. Um, and so, you know, there's a company here called Headspace that's uh, down in Venice. It's a mindful mindfulness application. They Basically, it's a meditation app. Um, and, and again, same thing, growing like wildfire. And so I think there's also an opportunity on the, you know, given the rise of mobile to build these new consumer brands. And, and I think that's, that's kind of what we're excited about. How many people in here have a startup? Raise your hand if you have a startup. And keep your hand up. Keep your hand up and put it really high so you get a little stretch in. Yeah. Be proud. Now, of, of all of you that have a startup, keep your hand up if you've had it over three years. Very cool. So everybody in here wants to aim for making their startup last. So one thing I want to ask is how can people get your attention that are looking to raise? Well, I'm, I'm probably the, uh, maybe going earlier than most. So I do st- uh, seed really early stage. Um, and to me, it's really about, uh, ultimately, first of all, it's about a person, like a company, like a people really matter. And secondly, what are you trying to do? And third, uh, You know, one of the things that happens with entrepreneurs is they tend to be very smart. They have lots of ideas. There's lots of things they could do. But there's this incredible balance that's really required between having this big vision and then being able to understand the two or three things you need to do to move the the needle so you would go from my investment to Graycroft or, let's say, or March or somebody else. So so for for you to move from a seed or pre-seed model to to a seed to a Series A, you have to be very crisp about not wasting a lot of time wandering around in the wilderness, so to speak, but understanding these three metrics is what I have to move the needle on. And, you know, ordinarily in the beginning, it's, you know, the early stage people are playing around with what's the product, is there a product idea here, and then eventually does the product, you know, whether it's video, whatever it is, does it get traction, and then, of course, can you monetize that traction? So that's kind of the stages. But that's one of the things that I recommend really be Focus when you talk to investors, be really clear about, I need this amount of money to go from here to here. And that will then all of a sudden attract uh, somebody else, right, at the next stage. And that's, that's really critical for me. Elise, what do you think? All right, I, I agree. And I think this question relates to the last. So what we look for and how to get attention certainly is, is leadership and execution, um, and ability to execute through fantastic leadership, right? And that becomes very clear. Uh, even if you're not an experienced founder that has proven themselves before. What do you guys think? I'm also going to tie it to the two questions together. So at Amplify, naturally, we see a lot of companies in the earlier stage. And again, trying to make it somewhat maybe actionable for you in terms of what's the market and how you get our attention. So frame the challenge a little bit. So you guys have all heard the term product market fit, right? So when your product reaches a certain level of velocity where it's clear there's a market fit, and then it's ready for an A round. Most of you are not at that stage yet. So what's the stage before that and how it relates to the question? So typically at Amplify or the early start, uh, the early investors look for what I call a entrepreneur idea fit. So 
in many cases, it's about having a good idea. Yes, of course. It's about having a great team. Yes, of course. The same thing as, you know, you want to be healthy, young, and rich. That's a good idea. Right? Okay, fine. The intention, though, is ultimately building a startup is really hard. I've built many of them. Many of them failed. And I've had a few cases where I got lucky and I succeeded and I worked hard equally on all of them. So doing a startup is really hard. Getting our attention requires not only the tenacity and knowing that in order to get to me, it's much easier to get to me if you reach somebody that knows me and then I get a reference from somebody. That's the mechanics. But the honest way that when you actually get to one of us is to show up and showing up in a way that this is, this is who I am. It's not like an idea. This is, this is who I am. This is the, the idea of team fit. This is, this is like I'm bursting if I'm not going to do this thing. And you don't say it. It just shows. And you do it when you find something that really delights you. And don't do it because you're chasing some uh, the, the fame or, you know, being a startup entrepreneur is really that you can work at midnight on Saturday and not go to a movie anytime you want. There's free will involved. There. It's really hard. So do it because you really want to. So again, product, uh, sorry, entrepreneur idea fit. Find something that motivates you, that gets you out of your chair, that you can't wait to do, and then do it, and eventually you'll get to us. Yeah, and I guess last thing I would add was would be just do your homework. Like We're typically Series A focused, and so get a lot of inbound requests to look at look at startups that are very early and, and we'll definitely, you know, we're excited that, that they come into us and we'll entertain them. But but really we have to focus our time on on series A investments, products that have hit that, you know, you know, businesses that have hit that product market fit that are starting to show the signs of traction. And so I think that's the other piece of it. Whereas, you know, Amplify and Allen tend to go a bit earlier and so you bring up a great point. It's a great lead into what I was thinking. So when I raised money for my second company, I learned uh, you have to match with an investor that funds the type of money that you're seeking. And I don't think many people know that. So can you explain? Because I think uh, people think, oh, I just want to raise money or I want to get investment. But uh, like you just said, you're in a business that to invest in a type of business that has to match that. So if one of you guys are looking for $250,000, Elise may not be the right fit for you because she only invests in, you know, a million plus deals or, you know, each person on the stage has something that they work with. It's the way their business works. Well, so I take the benefit of all of them and I go after them and I provide debt. So it's not really an investment, even though it may feel like it when we do venture debt. Uh, you know, usually our loans start at one million and go up, but it's really after the Series A. So there's uh, now we can open accounts and we have the network because we know everybody here, and we can help you introduce and we can provide a checking account and things like that for nine A's. But really, on the investment side, we have a very very small direct investment group, and that's for B and C rounds. But we provide debt at you know at your Series A pretty Real, much. Can you break down what's seed, what's Series A, what's B, what's C? Because some people may not know. I mean, do you want to start with kind of where, well, you, where you start out? Yeah, so I think, uh, and I won't speak for Amplify, but we typically, like, well, I'll start with like, actually pre-seed. So a lot of, a lot of uh, people say, I need to raise $300,000 eventually to get a seed. So they take convertible notes, right? They take these instruments that are debt that convert at a discount into the seed round. So that's typically the very early 
Wayne, it's actually pretty good because you can get started. You don't have to wait for a whole round to close. You can say, hey, you know, somebody that you know will give you $50,000 or somebody else. You can get started that way. So seed round is about like $10,000 to $250,000. Yeah. Like well, where's a cap at? A well, seed now, round? now th so those are pre-seed. Seed rounds are kind of like the, what the old Series A used to be. So they're like two to three. You'd see them like two to three million dollars are the seed rounds. And the A's were like the old B's. So they could be seven, eight, ten million dollars. It's kind of changed a little bit. Uh, the dynamics. So the seed players are actually putting in. I, most seed deals that I see are in the one to two and a half range, uh, which is again when I did my Series A with with uh, with Mark Turbeek, who in fact is now at Graycroft. He uh, that was a, that was kind of three million dollars was a Series A back then, but so it's changed. And when you guys answer the question, go ahead and say uh, which which one you guys represent. If it's seed or series. I do pre pre seed and seed. And so can you well, explain so, a breakdown of how you, how you support investors? Uh, yeah. So, for example, that $3 million, you know, if you raise between 3 to 5 and it's a VC, we can lend one to two, two and a half million on top of that. And so what that helps is it helps you with dilution. Um, you know, it's much, much, much cheaper money. At that time, if you have some scale and you have AR or inventory, we can help you finance that at an even cheaper rate. And that's kind of what we play. So after you raise three to five, that's when we layer on debt. Now, if you're a bigger company that's been bootstrapped and you have receivables or inventory or something like that, we can do that too. But but you know, on the venture debt side, it's after you raise three to five. And don't forget, when you close that round, call them immediately. Don't wait till you're running out of money to it's, call it's them. It's better to ask me for money when you have money than when you don't have money. <laughs> so you, you, I see that happen all the time. All of us. So you're saying that uh, startups should go for both Silicon Valley Bank and an investor, like well, yeah. totally, totally. We work together with everybody. Yes, yeah, we work together with the VCs to provide even more capital for you. That'll make you know, the, so you don't get as diluted and you keep a larger share of your company. Elise, so we start March Capital starts generally around Series A and goes through pre-IPO. So check size really varies, and we're structured to do. Um, you know what works so and what works for us means post engagement metrics or post for on the enterprise side post development of a robust early pipe uh, pipeline of clients um, and I, I wanted to circle back to one thing about when to reach out to investors because I have a, a bit of a different viewpoint here so we we invest so so for instance right now we're or always actually we're looking at things where the partners have had relationships with folks, you know, for 15 years or, or, or myself having a relationship with someone for three years, um, you know, or longer. And so I think that even though we started Series A and even wanted, you know, hopefully skew a bit later than that, it's really lovely to meet people at the seed or idea stage and form a relationship so, we, so I can see how you're, um, how you're acting upon the goals you set and people get on a direction, right? So, um, so if I meet you for lunch and I hear that you're going, that your goal is to have, you know, two new sale hires in the next, you know, quarter. And then the next time I see you for lunch, you have three and you recruited them from, you know, really prestigious, um, previous post. Then I, I start to realize that you can ex execute on your vision. So I think that meeting people earlier is is always preferable, and and we're always happy to hear from folks before Series A. So, from the people who raise their hands that have an early stage, how many of you are pre A round? Most of you. Okay. So, forgive me. Let's take a little oh, tour please. here. Okay. So tutorial. I love it. Fundraising tutorial. Okay. 
uh, I'm reminding you I'm part of Amplify, and when I'm going to go at some point, I'm going to say where Amplify fits along that curve. So one of the good um, exercises that you do as an entrepreneur is start with success in mind. So let's start success in mind and go backwards. So some of the folks here that are, are the A round. So the A round today is the... Two to five million dollar round. At that point, you probably have a ten, roughly million pre-money valuation, which means that you really now demonstrated a product market fit. And the folks who come in on the A round basically come in at the point where it's reasonably clear what the use of money is going to be because you found a way how to generate money as a result of what it is that you do. There are, of course, exceptions for very high, big plays that haven't done that yet. There's a second, third-time entrepreneur. But pattern recognition, 80% of you probably fall in that category. Okay, so to get to that A round, at some point we need to have enough time in the marketplace, probably around six months, that demonstrates that we've now hit the inflection point of scale where we need a lot more money in order to execute what is already working. So in order to get there, there's what is called now series seed. Series seed typically happens either a one or we're seeing a lot of them now happening in two tranches. So you'd get a half a million and then 750 or sometimes 1.2 all in one shot. And basically that is what they used to call the A round. And the difference between an A round and a series seed, in many cases, series seed will still be on a convertible note. In other words, nobody knows exactly what's going to happen, but it is incredibly advantageous and all of the Amplify companies fall in that category. Series seed will have at least one, if not preferably two, already institutional investors that look at the company that are willing to take you along the path. So by the time you hit the A round, you already have some institutional money along with you. Now, in order to get to that 750 to 1.2 million, at this point you're not really generating income yet, but you have undisputable metrics that tell the story of how your company is performing in the marketplace. It's very hard, unless again there are exceptions, but for most of you, there are key performance indicators in terms of traffic, in terms of conversion rates, average order values, take rate, user engagement. Every company is a little bit different, but there are clear numbers. In order to get to that level of being able to call on 50 investors to get three to put money in, because that's usually the ratio, we need to have initial traction with a smaller group, and now we're talking about the 50 to 250 to $300,000 raise. That's exactly where Amplify is. So at that point, you've already kind of showed that you have a market, you kind of have a team, your minimal viable product, in other words, it's not just a PowerPoint, you actually have something tangible and you understand the marketplace and there's that entrepreneur idea fit, there's a reasonable team, there's a product that appears to start to be working and we see there's a big enough market is when you go to groups like Amplify or go to angel groups and raise that $250,000, $300,000. Typically, for 80% of you, to get there, there's a friends and family component to it that gets you the ten dollars to $50,000 that allows you to get enough traction and pay a few engineers and beg, steal, or borrow, right, is the American way of saying this. I'm Israeli, I'm allowed the English second language. Um, that, that allows you to get there. So I'm, I'm going to, I went from the back to the front, I'm going to go again. You raise some f friends and family, unless you're an engineer and you have a bunch of friends that can do it all on, on the go. Then you get to a group like Amplifier or Angel groups that allow you to get something. Then you get into Series C, still on Convertible Note, one or two tranches, and then you get to the A round.
You know, I, the one thing that I really I want everybody to hear again is you said you reach out to 50 to get three, or what was the metric? What's the goal people should have in their head? So I even think 50 is small. You, you know, <laughs> the, the challenge is that most of the time when you hear stories about companies that succeeded, you have a completely altered story of reality. In most of the time, we have so much rejection on entrepreneur that it's not about building a thick skin about accepting rejection. Rejection sucks. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. But remember what we talked about that passion before? When you can't stop doing it because that's who you are, then rejection is just part of the course and you just take it and learn from one thing to another. And the ratio is probably about 10 Yeah, and this is actually a really important point because one of the things I always tell people when they're going to go out for their series, they, let's do a few throwaways because they typically go in there and they over, you know, they don't, they don't, they're not crisp enough in their presentation or whatever it is. One of the things is if you have conviction, you've got to be very careful that somebody t tries to talk you out of it because they're e-commerce leaning and you're really doing something different or whatever the case might be. But if your message is not getting clear across... Take every one of those meetings, especially the rejections, as, hey, what can I learn from that? What, what, what did I not communicate right? What was I not crisp enough or right? The other thing I would suggest is if you're going to go raise money, try to find out from other people that are doing this, hey, what are, what's, their, what's, the, what's the, that investor's particular pet peeve? There are some investors that will say, I'm not doing Series A until I see revenue. Right? Some investors don't do that. Right? It's good to know that, and if you're in a meeting, ask them that question because you can waste a crazy amount of time right, with people, which I know they all, they all you know, a lot of investors want to see you because they don't want to miss the next Snapchat. So they'll say, oh, yeah, we'll talk to you, and we'll just keep talking and talking. They don't really tell you no, and you wonder, what's going on? I thought I had a great meeting. But part of that is, hey, what would it take for you to invest in me? It's not a, 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 a bad question to ask because some of them will be blunt to you. Say, I want to see $100,000 a month in revenue. Before I, before I write a check, then at least you know that as opposed to you're always constantly guessing. But really look at every one of those meetings as a learning opportunity, uh, and it will help you hone the message. That doesn't mean change it necessarily, but certainly hone it. I think, I think one thing to also keep in mind is that, well, and it's a little bit different with angels, but investors have their own investors. Like We have LPs, right, limited partners, who give our partners money to and, and that those LPs get that money from somewhere else oftentimes. You know, it could ultimately be a pension fund or an endowment or whatever it is. And so they gave us money to invest on behalf of them. Uh, and so when, when we accept that money, it comes with terms and conditions, very much like uh, when you accept investors' money. And we commit to a strategy. We say we're going to look at this stage and we're going to look at these sectors and I'm not going to start investing in Thailand. I'm, I'm going to invest in the United States and whatever it is. And so you have your strategy. And so... I think just just one thing to keep in mind, you know, as you think about who you're going to target, and and uh, as you go through those meetings, um, just a good good reminder. And before I move on, because it's a perfect tie into my next two questions about traction, about the differences between angels. What what uh, what do you invest in? Like, what does Greycroft invest in? Stay tuned for next week when we continue with part two of We Are LA Tech and Tech Zulu's annual LA startup forecast, Investors Edition.